0: This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome. We're back, and we're back with Eric Anderson, editor in chief over at Awards Watch. And I'm so happy to be with you again. How are you?
1: I'm Gucci today, Christina. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm so Gucci today. So happy about these posters coming. I'm going to ask you about those. But what I'm going to say is what we're going to be talking about today is we have so much to catch up on. I want to get Quick thoughts on the can winners because that's where we left off last time we talked. Um, I want to talk to you about the Venice lineup and then get some early Emmy predictions because the nominations have been out for a while. You are working so hard at this. The Emmys are up in September. Go Ted Lasso! Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about that. But first, as you mentioned, the posters for Lady Gaga's House of Gucci just dropped. This is Ridley Scott's movie starring Lady Gaga and Adam Driver about the turbulent marriage between Maurizio Gucci and Patricia that ended up in murder. Thoughts on these posters?
1: First, I love that you called it Lady Gaga's House of Gucci because that is what it should be called. Um, I, (laughs) I I love the posters. Uh, so like last week I had, you know, seen some rumblings that the trailer was going to be coming this week. So I, I tweeted that out and people got like super excited. And so the, the,
2: the,
1: everything surrounding this is like a, a firecracker just waiting to go off. So we're kind of just sitting here, uh, waiting for that trailer to drop and super excited for it. I I love the posters. They're really dark, like really, really dark. And especially Gaga's with her thick makeup and funeral clothes, uh, which is perfect because I'm dead now. Yeah, what did
0: you write on Twitter? Because that was so funny.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. When when you have a photo shoot at 11 and your husband's funeral at noon. (laughs) She was ready to slay her husband and looks
0: ready. <laughs> no, I like them too. Basically. Uh, so the listeners have to go check them out if you haven't seen them. but it's the actors in character, um, just very big profile pictures. But what did you think of Jared Leto?
1: I try not to think about Jared Leto <laughs> as much as possible. Um, but one thing that, that's really kind of, fun and interesting because obviously as as anybody that's been following gucci stuff we've basically seen the entire film uh because the the amount of
0: paparazzi pics
1: i've never seen this many set pictures on a film in my lifetime ever um and it's a good thing that it is an already known story that you know you're not going to be like oh my god i'm spoiled by this information because it has been like the whole movie but you never know what you're going to get with just a regular, you know, set picture versus a production still, uh, you don't know what the color is really going to look like. You don't know what, you know, prosthetic makeup is really going to look like.
0: Right, the finish.
1: Yeah, and even though these are character posters that are, are a little more enhanced than than what we're probably going to see, I thought they were gorgeous. Um, I thought Leto's makeup was amazing, terrifyingly good.
0: It's it's Um, unrecognizable as lots of people talk about things being unrecognizable on Twitter when it's really not unrecognizable, but this was, this was good. But another one of the comments was, why not just take an actor who looks like that?
1: (laughs) I'm telling you, my, my other, my other uh, tweet today was uh, Danny DeVito was robbed. I'm like, come on, just, you know, just hire a middle-aged heavy guy that wants to work. Just do it.
0: Does he really get that many eyeballs because it's Jared Leto's in a movie?
1: It didn't help the little things. So <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I don't know if if the allure is is what they think that it is. I don't know. They also got rid of Adam Driver's moles, which is a weird little thing, but it's 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 still a thing. And it's all, you know, in in effort to make him look uh, Uh, more like Maurizio, and and he does. Absolutely. But I'm I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I was in the middle of writing my best actress uh, prediction piece, which I'll have up later, but I'm just... I'm, I'm too obsessed with these with these pictures.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll we're talking now and, and probably will miss the trailer event, which should be coming any minute today. But um, maybe we'll talk about that next time or we'll, we'll, you can follow us on Twitter for comments. But uh, this has been pushed up. It won't be at Venice, which I'm very disappointed. So House of Gucci will probably not be out this year is what they're saying.
1: No, it'll be out this year. It's coming out at the end of November. oh good okay. uh, but we just don't know if it's going to be a film that hits a festival or not and and we we have major major films and major awards contenders that don't hit festivals. It happens mm-hmm. every year um, it's It's extremely rare to never now that you can win the top prize without hitting one of the major fall festivals though so I think. I think it will sneak into somewhere, even if it's like AFI. It'll, it, I think it'll show up somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's just that Venice felt like such an such a, extremely correct place for this particular movie to go. But um, I, I also confused it with, uh, with Blonde, which um, I've been waiting for, too, which is pushed to 2022. So it's a weird we don't really know when things are coming and going and where they're going to be.
1: Yeah, Blonde is actually something that I really expected to go to Venice, uh, so that Ana de Armas could get her, you know, Lady Gaga arriving on the boat moment. Uh and it would have been. It absolutely would have been she would have been the the absolute centerpiece of the festival. But well, that will I don't go to know.
0: Spencer, don't you think? That moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Diana. Absolutely. And it's I'm I'm really I'm kind of troubled about what's going on with Blonde and and I'm not really sure there's so much circulating about you oh know No,
0: you think there's problems with it? It's in the movie I'm one you of know, the ones s- I'm
1: some of it's rumor and I don't I don't like to put a whole lot of stock in rumor unless it can be, you know, founded. But it's it's really hard to do. I mean, the movie was shot in 2019. It's been in post-production for a year and a half. And obviously, it would not be able to be in competition at uh, at Cannes, even though you know Terry Primmu said that it could play out of competition
0: because it's a Netflix movie. Again, okay, just it's for Netflix. the listeners, this is the Anna Darmis, uh, um Andrew Dominic uh, adaptation of the book Blonde, where she plays um, Marilyn Monroe, and we're so waiting for this movie. But uh, yeah, so it couldn't be at Cannes because it was a Netflix movie, but it could have been at Venice.
1: Hmm. So something something's up and then obviously the announcement yesterday which is even the announcement was really odd because there's no official like confirmation there was no source cited and i talked to my sources yeah i talked to my sources and there was no conversation had between variety and netflix about this this move at all which is odd
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so, so what's
0: the rumor i mean what's the problem
1: the the one of the rumors is that there is some final cut issues between Dominic and netflix i can't say if that's true or not but it might be why it's taken so long i think too because of the book that it's based on by joyce carol Oates. it's it's not a biography it's not going to be what people are used to seeing in terms of, you know, something like Marilyn Monroe. It's going to be really avant-garde. It's going to be a really hard sell.
0: Which, which may be why it's going to be fantastic. At least the book is.
1: Exactly. The book, the book is thrilling. Uh, and, and I think Dominic is a, is a pretty unique director to, to take this on. But yeah, I just, I just kind of, I want to know what's going on. I want to know the why. And we never know until everything's, you know, said and done.
0: Um, we're gonna get back to Venice. I just want to sort of real quick get your thoughts on because last time we talked, we talked about the Cannes lineup, and now we have the winners. Um, just in general, what did you think?
1: You know, I thought they were pretty cool winners, and amazingly, all all really, but 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 one major one already has U.S. distributions. So these are films that are not going to be so remote and removed from US audiences as uh international festivals can be sometimes. Um Neon has the palm door winner to tame. Amazon has a hero. Um the worst person in the world uh neon has that as well.
0: Yeah neon <laughs> um, has everything. <laughs>
1: they I mean they have they have so much this year, and that. And
0: they had Parasite last year, just as a reminder. So they yeah, really year, yeah, soaking. year before
1: last, yeah, yeah,
0: year before last. But
1: you know, they are they are really small, and I I wonder how they can manage multiple films and multiple campaigns because we have seen many small studios that are not able to do that very well. They have to really focus on one and put all their attention on it. So mm-hmm. you know, that's and gonna be. And what do you think tough. that's
0: gonna be? What would it be if Eric Anderson was on the PR team of?
1: If it was neon? me, yeah. is it, it would it would all be it would all go to Flea.
0: Oh my God, I love Flea.
1: But you know they have, yeah, they have that. They have Spencer. I mean, they have a lot. They have so much to contend with. So it's it's going to be interesting. And you know we're also now back to a semi-normal year, so we're going to have big studio films in play this year. In a in a way that were not last year. So these smaller films are going to struggle even more. But the that can lineup of winners is is really impressive. I think the only Caleb Landry Jones, the best actor winner for Nitrum, doesn't have US distribution. But it could before the end of the year, or it might just get held on to, to until next year. All
0: right. And just tell us about um... To Tane, I mean, this is not a movie that feels like it's an Oscar movie, really. <laughs> What's it about?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I know it's already been spoiled by at least one outlet that we just mentioned in a really like totally unnecessary way. Um, I'm furious at them and many people are. There was no need to, to go so far. Uh, Spike Lee spoiled it in the press conference, but you know, we're talking about a very small amount of people that Spike are Spike Lee
0: did a lot of spoiling the- over there at Cannes. <laughs> we really love Spike did. Lee, but but he, I, one of one of the big thing I don't think our listeners have missed is that he announced the Palme d'Or winner first.
1: That was the funniest thing. I've never seen anything really quite like that, uh, especially just kind of knowing that he just had like a, a, a piece of paper that had all the winners' names on it. So like maybe next time, maybe do like separate parts for each one <laughs> or envelopes, whatever it might be. So, yeah. So he announced the Palme d'Or winner uh, first right off the bat. And it was like the funniest thing in the whole world. Uh, so, you know, poor Julia DeCornow is like sitting in the audience and she might not have even really heard or understood exactly what was going on because it was very fast. It was almost under his breath and it was, you know, shut down pretty quickly. So I imagine there were plenty of people in the audience that did not actually hear it.
0: Well, at least they were sort of confused. Was that wrong? Was it right? I mean, that's, Oh, of- it was,
1: it was a moonlight La La Land moment <laughs> to be sure. But yeah, so he did that. And then he did in the press conference after the closing ceremony uh, talked about a detail in the film that is, you know, I would call a pretty big spoiler, and, you know, in most reviews, and certainly the, my of her can did not spoil that in their review, uh, because they are professional. <laughs> so, but uh, to your point, is this an Oscar movie? You know what, on paper? No, it's definitely not. But as I say every year, the concept and the idea of what an Oscar movie is, is changing every single year. So if you're locked into this idea that a certain type of movie is an Oscar movie, you're not watching the Oscars because the last five years of winners have gave us four extremely non-traditional winners and then one very traditional winner. So sure, anything's possible.
0: But in broad strokes, without the spoiling aspect, what is it about?
1: I don't even, I don't even know if I want to even talk about it. <laughs> I just don't. I just okay, want to, well, you know. I I just
0: will leave people wondering.
1: Yes, you can. You can. You can read the can review at Awards Watch and be no, and be non spoiled. And and if if you want to know more, I'll just say that.
0: Let's <laughs> talk about what. The Venice lineup. So Venice will be on um, 1st of September, and it's uh, an in-person festival, which is exciting. Hopefully, it'll continue to be so, depending on how Delta and other things go. But um, tell me about your first thoughts when you heard the lineup at Venice.
1: Uh, It's a pretty exciting lineup. And there are a few things that we obviously knew were were already there, like Spencer and Dune uh, and Power of the Dog. And and I think those were Jane Campion. Yeah, those were the, the 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 big highlights because you know now we're going to see you know the Netflix films. The Hand of God is there. The Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, who was just a jury member at Cannes, is in competition with her first film, The Lost Daughter, uh, with Olivia Coleman. So there's there's a lot. There's going to be controversial stuff like uh, uh, Michelle Franco's new film. Uh, his last film, New Order, that was at tip, caused a tremendous amount of controversy.
0: Mm-hmm. Why? Uh,
1: so, you know, I'll be really curious to see what the reaction to that is.
0: Why do, why got, was there a, why do you think there's going to be a controversy?
1: I just think it'll be baggage from New Order.
0: Okay. Which, what, what was that controversy?
1: That was because it was sort of pretending to be like a parasite type of upheaval but ended up being like the reverse, you know, like it was, it was pro the bad family.
0: Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and so there was a lot of negative response to it. Um, my, my critics that were there loved it. They both loved it. Um, but not a lot of people did. So I think there might be some, some side eye uh, with this new film just to see because his response to to the controversy was pretty aggressive and and not exactly uh, understanding. So you never know.
0: You never know. And we have um, Almodovar, who's which mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see. Um, and that looks the trailer looked amazing.
1: It looks wonderful. We have double Penelope Cruz because we also have a official competition with Antonio Banderas, and Oscar Isaac has three projects three. in Venice. <laughs> so good for him. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, I, I hope, I hope he can kind of just continue and, and be more like a list than, you know, just a Twitter favorite kind of mm-hmm. actor,
2: but he if, deserves uh, it.
1: it's going to be curious to see. I mean, also speaking of controversy, uh, his film, the card counter from Paul Schrader, Paul Schrader has been very active on Facebook. We'll say, uh, with, extremely old-fashioned opinions I guess very much so
0: especially on about women I have to say
1: Mm -hmm. that's the best way to put that
0: I know that focus features he he himself wrote that they asked him to stop Um, and so he sort of demonstratively wrote that they've asked me to stop with sort of feeling like I won't but uh, so and I was quite didn't. surprised because someone right before the Venice lineup was announced said that oh, this definitely can't be an Oscar picture. What'll, what's going to happen to this movie after all the controversy with him? But then it showed up here. So the but Italians see it differently, but we'll see if that, what I'm saying is, will that still, will this make it still, you know, lead to Oscar?
1: Lead Oscar to Oscar.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I, I don't, you know, I don't know, because I have to say, once I saw the trailer, I was extremely unenthusiastic by its chances. It, it felt shockingly pedestrian. It was so ordinary. So and, and just like flatly shot, flat dialogue, everything was expected. So there was there was nothing that really kind of lit a fire. So it might not even be. It might be a, a moot point.
0: What are you sort of predicting the reactions to Dune are going to be? I mean, we've been talking about Dune for I don't know how long now, and yeah, um, a while. The expectations are. I mean, there's no way it even manage them anymore. Um, what do you think?
1: It's when when the trailer came out, it was pretty funny because it um, it's definitely trying to. It's it's a massive, massive expensive movie. They have to make a lot, a lot of money, and it's a big risk because we are still in, you know, at least in the United States, box office wise, we're not there yet. We're not, um, we're not at a place where we have bona fide hits, at least based on their their budget of these tentpole movies. So. I think Warner Brothers' approach with the trailer was pretty smart because not everybody is going to have read the books or seen David Lynch's version Hopefully
0: not. <laughs> with,
1: which is, you know, fun in its own right. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so they basically reveal almost the entire movie, or at least part one, because apparently this is part one. Um, they reveal most of it, which you know, it feels like a safety. It's like, here's here's just, there's not going to be any surprises. What you see is what you get and they want to get people in. And if you already know the story, then you're not being spoiled by anything. So it's not a big deal. Um, if you don't, I think they're hoping and they're counting on that revealing as much as they did is going to bring people in. But it did look fantastic. I thought it looked amazing.
0: Visually, it looks amazing as most yeah. of his movies I'm, do, but...
1: I'm super excited for it. It's just so big. It's like it's like Arrival was, you know, this million dollar indie.
0: Yeah, his little indie on an <laughs> iPhone or something. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> compared to this, which just looks absolutely huge and magnificent. Yeah, I think it looks wonderful. I have I have high hopes for it, but again, with with how Warner Brothers is doing their day and date with HBO Max we haven't seen enough evidence yet of something being able to be a standalone hit while, while being on on HBO max and Disney plus for that matter too. We've only been looking at this and experiencing this for less than a year. So we need more time to be able to see what really qualifies uh, as a box office hit now. And I think we also need to recalibrate what, we define what a box office. It is a box hit.
0: Office hit, right.
1: Yeah. It can't simply just be about the budget in comparison to the budget, which is what we used before.
0: Well, that's going to be interesting. I'm also very curious with, um, about Spencer, Kristen. Kristen Stewart. Stewart I'm also curious about Kristen Stewart playing Diana Lady Diana Spencer um, and how that movie Pablo Lorraine could sort of go either way either it's going to be a masterpiece or I, I'm really curious about the direction that that movie takes I mean I thought his Jackie about Jackie was amazing but I know lots of people didn't so um,
1: uh, absolutely and again you know with 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 approaches like this or, you know, what Dominic is apparently doing with Blonde, um, you know, you're taking extremely recognizable people worldwide and you're putting them in films and stories that are very not like what we're used to seeing. Um, and Spencer is only takes place over a weekend. There's flashbacks and stuff like that, but it's, it's only a weekend, which I think when you're talking about iconic people in history like this unless you're able to do a multi-part limited series of their life it's too hard to do a two-hour biopic and capture so much of them so it's a safe it's a very safe thing to do when you're only highlighting a very small uh, amount of time Uh, darkest hour did that and a lot of biopics are doing that now not all of them but a lot of
0: them I hope that the approach that Pablo's done before and that Dominic will do, I'm hoping that the approach is less biopic. This is actually what happened and more sort of looking at the themes of fame and, and being you know, a woman and, and, and that themes that apply to us irregardless of, of who we are. Um.
1: I have to feel that it will be just looking at, at Lorraine's career and how he approaches everything. I do expect it to be pretty close to Jackie in style. Uh, and and I hope that it is because it was extremely successful. And, you know, I mean, Natalie Portman only has a marginal, you know, passable uh, uh, look to Jackie Onassis. And Kristen Stewart doesn't look very much like Diana at all. Just passing.
0: I love, I really like Kristen Stewart, but one thing she, she's not as I, you know, my impression of Diana's it was, is she's not that warm. That I'm interested in seeing if, if she can, that warmness she can bring out.
1: I think one thing that Stewart can capture about Diana and obviously, you know, a good dialect coach, if she gets the voice right, then then she'll oh, nail she, well, it. She's such a pro. But I, I think, you know, Diana was at least publicly very soft-spoken and quiet. Her voice was quiet. She would have been amazing at ASMR. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Stuart is like that too. She is. True. She, true. Speak, she speaks under her breath, almost with like a lack of confidence. And I think she can capture that part of Diana really, really well. I think that can that can happen. So I, I hope that it does. I want it to be great.
2: Hi there. I'm Heather Drago, and I'm Sarah Saunders.
0: Well, Venice is sounding, it, it, I'm I'm actually more excited about the Venice lineup than I was of Cannes, even though the winners were very interesting. But this is going to be fun. We'll let you know. As it looks like now, I will be there and hopefully reporting a bunch of stuff from there. So that's going to be fun. But now let's go to TV. Go Ted Lasso. <laughs> As you can hear, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. It's been my summer.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: You are Fully and so wonderfully covering um, everything Emmys from when the nominations um, were from. I'm just gonna get my papers up here. um, When they were, we are sort of a month away, right? The big show. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we've got the the winner voting is uh, the second half of August, the 19th to the 30th. So there's going (laughs) there will be a lot of Emmy interviews at Awards Watch for the first you know, two weeks of, of August. So get ready for those. There's going to be a lot. And we're almost finished up with all of the Emmy episode submissions uh, that performers and networks have submitted for their shows. So you can also take a look at that over at Awards Watch under Emmy episode submissions. And, you know, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time, even through years of, of changing how the voting happens you know you still submit an episode and you know if you're a voter you're not able to watch
0: every 35
1: shows and all of them so sometimes yeah you you will only be able to watch one episode and and hope that you know as the person submitting it that it does represent you your performance and your show as best as it can
0: this may be a difficult question pertaining to that. Just getting you on the spot here, but is is there historically a submitted episode that really did not work? That and that thinking about it afterwards, that was the wrong one to send, and that you think they would have won if another episode would have been sent?
1: I think it happens all the time, actually, and it's it. it, it uh, actually, Olivia Coleman submitted forty-eight to one, uh, which. Was not her best episode. She Is that from submitted- The
0: Crown or from
1: The Crown? Yeah, she probably sh- should have submitted War, um, but she she actually hasn't been that great at submitting. But that's, okay,
0: you know. <laughs> do but does she choose it or does?
1: That's that's the thing. Sometimes the performer submits. Sometimes the network submits. Classic classically, that was the case uh, with HBO and The Sopranos. And so all those wins that, that Edie Falco got, those were all HBO submissions. She didn't do those, which is so funny because way back in the day, we used to call. If somebody submitted an episode that there was no way that they were going to lose based on that, it was called uh, a white caps submission because that was an Edie Falco uh, soprano submission from you know, whatever mid mid 2000s and it was it was a performance and a submission that it didn't even matter who else was was done <laughs> that was it it was that was a done deal so we kind of almost every year even though like I said the voting isn't exactly the same we don't have these blue ribbon small panels that only look at 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 the submissions we still call them tapes for Christ's sake
0: that's. <laughs> Get with so that's program. that's kind of how,
1: yeah that's that's kind of how you know almost old-fashioned it is, but you know I mean I'm kind of I'm looking at the the submissions for this year Emma Corn from the Crown submitted fairy tale I don't think she could have submitted anything else it's absolutely perfect
0: that's the one where she roller skates right and
1: yes it yes. is <laughs> so iconic Diana, I can't yeah. even deal with it I, it's it's the it's the best thing ever uh, Michael K Williams from Love country submitted rewind 1921 which is by far his best and most sympathetic episode and that is a category that has never had a black winner ever every single acting category at the emmys has had a uh, a black winner except this is supporting, best
0: supporting in supporting
1: actor in a drama series drama series, drama, drama mm-hmm. series yeah and we actually have three uh, black actors nominated in this category so the the chances of that stat being broken are extremely high, which is great. Um, what do we have? Is there First, a
0: white cap?
1: Well, personally, I feel that Michael K. Williams' submission is a white caps episode. I think it's stunning. Um, he is hes on his fifth nomination. He is an actor and a veteran that has been so respected in the industry and never won. It is an extraordinarily simple episode. I can't believe he's never won. He wasn't even nominated for like his best role, but yeah. So it's he wasn't
0: ever nominated for The Wire.
1: No, that yeah. Oh, that poor show was very abused by the Emmys. (laughs) Um, let me see what else. I think you know, even though Gene Smart already was basically a lock to win. Uh, she submitted uh, 1.69 million, which was the episode where she's doing her stand-up at this small thing, and and she gets heckled by this guy, and delivers this fantastic monologue. So I think that's that's that's, that's a submission that's really hard to beat.
0: But she's like a white cap for that whole series. I mean, she could have she oh could have submitted God.
1: anything and won. She's yeah. There's there's a lot this year that I feel like we can just you know. Put it away because it's 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 a lock. It's going to happen. Ted Lasso is going to win the series. Jason Sudeikis is going to win actor. Gene Hacks is going to win uh, supporting or lead actors, and Hannah Waddingham is going to to win supporting actress. There's a lot that I yeah that I feel like are pretty locked in. So I do like looking then at the ones that have have some. Some movement, like the guest acting categories. Yeah,
0: let's look at, let's look. For, first, I want to get your, th- your, um, uh, just drama series, because you already mentioned that Ted Lasso is a lock for outstanding comedy series. What about drama series? What sticks out for you there? Were you happy with the nominations?
1: I think the nominations are pretty cool. Um, you know, there's no Emily in Paris like there is in comedy. So it's, it's a good set of, of nominations. I do think that The Crown can finally win. And that will give Netflix its first series win at the Emmys. Of course, if the Queen's Gambit wins before that, then that's that'll be a series win as well. I I, I think the Crown. I think the Crown is in the best shape.
0: And and going to the categories, you were saying that a little more yeah, up in the air. What are you thinking about?
1: If, uh, looking at like guest actor in a drama series. I think that's, I think it's open, but I'm leaning to Courtney B. Vance for Lovecraft Country. But I think, I think it's pretty open. Uh, Charles Dance has a, Charles Dance and the Crown has the first episode of season four. And he's only in that uh, uh, as General Mount, Mountbatten. Um, we've got Carl Weathers and Timothy Oliphant from The Mandalorian both really good we have Don Cheadle's I think it's a 90 second cameo in Falcon and the Winter Soldier which that's is amazing whatever it's a, even he was like why am I not this, this is ridiculous it's, it's crazy
0: there um, must, I mean there must have been someone else out there yeah and Jared then leto was not available <laughs> <laughs>
1: And guest actors in a drama series is pretty fun too. And you know, speaking of, of cameos, we have Claire Foy in that forty-eight to one episode where she does, you know, that uh, that radio speech. Oh and, right. And make, makes makes a cameo. And it's a it's short. It's not ninety seconds short, but it's a very very short. And there's no you know, there's no arc or anything. It's just her giving the speech. So it's. A, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a throwaway nomination, I think, but you know, I, I don't I don't turn my nose up at it too much. Uh, we've got two from Handmaid's Tale, Alexis Bladdell, who's already won here. And McKenna Grace, who at 15 years old is the youngest nominee here ever in Emmy history. And then Felicia Rashad, who I <laughs> I don't think really has much of a chance of winning after her messy Bill Cosby tweets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good luck to that. And then Sophie Okunado, uh for Ratchet, which was not a surprise nomination, but the surprise was that she's the only person that was nominated from the show.
0: Well, it was Cynthia- a very divisive show.
1: It was, but Cynthia Nixon and uh, Sarah Paulson are absolute Emmy favorites. And so- both and they were being...
0: good in the series that was very divisive. Yeah. So
1: that was that was a surprise.
0: And do you see a network or, or you know taking winning this year is...
1: You know it's we have so many shows with huge nomination totals. Um, Ted Lasso and has 20, which is now the most for a freshman season in Emmy history, and Axe has 15 huge hacks absolutely overperformed it was it was huge um but you know they're competing against each other in all of these categories then you go over to to drama and you have the crown and lovecraft country with huge huge numbers um the mandalorian and and so it's it's not that if you have the most nominations, you're, you're locked to win, but it certainly shows the, the extreme broad appeal. But at the same time, you'll never have, a show like This Is Us being contemporary, will never have the same amount of nominations as something period piece or fantasy like Lovecraft and The Crown and Mandalorian do. They just have more available to them in terms of categories.
0: Yeah, in terms of all the craft categories and everything Absolutely,
1: Yeah. yeah. But it's... The battle this year is really between Netflix and HBO because they are only separated by one nomination, which has to have absolutely gutted Netflix because HBO came in with 130 which includes HBO Max, obviously. Uh, and the Netflix had 129. And that just- Oh my to, God. <laughs> that, well, that had to just suck.
0: They're like in the office going, Netflix Max now, next year. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Well, that's going to be very interesting. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of both Ted Lasso and Hacks. I have to say, I mean, I just think it's been an amazing TV summer in in many ways, also White Lotus, but that's not this year, but I needed this good time that these shows have brought me. So I'm I like all the nominees there. I have a feeling that Ted Lasso has a little bit of an edge over Hacks, just because I think it feels like Everyone has watched Ted Lasso. It's a it's a show that seems very accessible to all groups of people: sports fans, men, women, everything. You know, and Hacks has maybe been a little bit small. I haven't heard as mu- as much buzz as I have, even though the buzz I've heard is amazing and should be. But that's sort of. I have a feeling that Ted Lasso will edge out Hacks.
1: I, I I think it's it's actually not very close at all. I think Ted Lasso is. Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty easy win and I do like that we are going to you know if it does we're going to have two two years in a row of the comedy series being a show that is good, good-natured, good-hearted.
0: And you're you're um, referencing Shits Creek, I
2: suppose. And referencing yeah, yeah
1: Shits Creek, not cynical. Um yes. I think that is I think that's a really I think it's really interesting. I think it's a, I, I'm, I'm glad to see it. I mean, I love dark comedies to the end of the world, but.
0: But this nature, year we needed this, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. The nature of Shits Creek and of Ted Lasso is, is just extremely big hearted. And yeah.
0: don't you just feel good for Jason Sudeikis after this divorce and all this stuff he's been going through and tabloid pictures of his ex-wife. And I just, it just feels like I, I'm so happy he's having a good year.
1: <laughs> I guess he seems to be doing fine. His GQ spread was kind of amazing. amazing. And we are like, okay.
0: Good, good. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: it's, yeah, it's, and, you know, and I, he's coming off of, you know, being uh, an, an old SNL Uh, because he he did look
0: a little rough in that sweatshirt when at what was it the golden globes
1: that first or was it or critic's choice or one of those yeah one of those first
0: ones when he didn't realize he was he he felt it felt like oh my god
1: (laughs) it it was yeah i mean the the nature of all those was pretty funny because you know once again the women you know really turned it out and got dressed up and did the whole thing like it was a you know in-person red carpet and the guys were like whatever I just I keep thinking about Bill Camp doing the SAG Awards thing from in his car in line to get his vaccination shot. And I'm just well, like, that
0: was good publicity for vaccination shots. <laughs> it
1: was, but it was one of those things where. Show me an actress that could have done that in a, a damn house dress and no hair done and no makeup and, you know, not have it be torn to shreds versus Francis
0: McDormand. As-
1: Except for Frances McDormand, she's the only one that the can do it. The only one, yes. And she does it. Oh my god, her hair at the Oscars.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: oh and my she god. would have
0: been doing the vaccination show. I can, I can see it. But I, I get your point, and it absolutely. Yeah, and and let's change that.
1: Yeah, I you know I just let let it let it be either or, and not you know whatever.
0: Well, Eric, will you do a real prediction show with me, um, like that? week ahead of yes. In September. Yes, of and course. That of would course. be so much fun. So, so we'll leave it at that. It's so great to talk to you again. And we're on a roll here. So thank you so much. And I'll see you very soon.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you.
2: I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation.